Welcome, friends, and thank you for allowing me to join you today. I hope you've had a chance to see yesterday's posting on what we're doing to move towards the resumption of our chapel services. As I said there, we will resume services as soon as possible and as safely as possible. In the meantime, thank you for continuing to meet me for these video teachings, and thank you for your continued financial support of our chapel. Even though we aren't meeting together in person, Christ's ministry continues through our chapel community in spite of COVID. Now, over the weeks since Easter, we've been looking at the events that transpired afterward, specifically the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We looked at Luke's account of the disciples who met Jesus on the road to Emmaus. We then went to John's Gospel, where we considered Jesus' appearances to the disciples in the upper room, first without Thomas and the later with him. John then took us to Galilee, where we saw the miraculous catch of fish, and seven of the disciples, including Peter and John, enjoying breakfast on the beach with Jesus. John then told us about Jesus' restoration of Peter, where we saw the importance of relationship. And last week, we looked at the final words of John's gospel, including Jesus' call, follow me, a command which he gave 23 times in the gospels. We saw that it is a call to forsake all else except Jesus, and it is certainly a call worth dying for because he is the only king worth living for. Today, we're going to look at the first part of Acts chapter 1 and the ascension of Jesus. Luke begins his second work with these words, and if you, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to tur turn to Acts chapter 1 with me. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the disciples he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, I imagine that like me, you do not enjoy sitting and waiting. You probably don't like waiting rooms, neither do I. Whether it be a doctor's office or, or at the hospital, whether it's uh, waiting for the tires on your car to be rotated or some other repair to be done, or whether you're at some business or you're waiting for some appointment. But right now, the fact is, we are all in a waiting room of sorts with this pandemic. We're waiting to see when the stay-at-home uh, orders are going to be lifted. We're waiting to see when the stores can be reopened. We're waiting to see when we don't have to wear masks out in public, when we can go back to meeting together for worship. You know, sometimes God puts us in a waiting room as part of our experience of the Christian life. And waiting on the Lord may be one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian life. But sometimes it's what we have to do as part of our growth. When Jesus left to go back to heaven, he told his followers that he would return and that they needed to wait. And that's what we're doing right now waiting on his return. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, the disciples in our text are, are getting ready to go into one of those mean times of life. Jesus told them to wait for the gift that the Father promised. 
And that gift is the Holy Spirit. He's talking about Pentecost. And we're going to look at that next week as we celebrate Pentecost. But for now, suffice it to say that this does not mean that the Holy Spirit was not already active in the lives of God's people. The Spirit was with us, but the Spirit was not within us at this point. In Psalm 51, King David writes these words. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So the Spirit was active in the world, but not indwelling God's people. Today, for believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Spirit is always with us and cannot be taken away from us. Now let's look back at the scripture. As I read this, I love the fact that Jesus first and foremost gave them many convincing proofs, as Luke tells us. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He's getting ready to leave them. He's about to put the mission to spread the gospel into their hands, and he wants to make sure that they are up to and ready for the task. Well, Jesus does the same for us today. He's placed the task of sharing his plan of salvation in our hands, yours and mine. And he's not going to send us out there without making sure that we're equipped for that task. So Jesus shows himself to his disciples with many convincing proofs. Now you would think that after these proofs, Jesus would have them just go run out and, and get to work. But that's not what happened. Look in verse 4 with me. At the end of verse 4, Jesus tells them to what? He tells them to wait. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait until the Holy Spirit arrives. You see, they needed guidance. They needed the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They weren't quite ready to go. They needed to stop and let it all sink in. They've been traveling for three years with Jesus. They've been observing his miracles. They've been running from danger, and they've been learning how to be servant leaders. And they just witnessed the greatest miracle ever, Jesus' death and resurrection. They needed the Holy Spirit to take over guiding them. And then they needed to learn how to let the Spirit lead them. And you know, that's what, probably one of the, the most asked questions that I've gotten over my years as a chaplain and a pastor. People ask me, how do I know it is God lead me in this direction or in that direction? And that's probably one of the greatest reasons why Christians don't get out there and get done what God has had, has for them to do. They're unsure about how to follow the Spirit's lead. We need to get tuned into the Spirit's presence and we need to learn to listen for his voice. You see, we live in a, in a hurry-up society. We're, we're impatient. We're moving so fast that we, we oftentimes miss the Spirit's gentle wooing. It's like trying to look at the wildflowers while you're driving 75 miles an hour down the road, as opposed to a nice, quiet walk in the meadow or in the woods. We lose the significance of, of so many things in our lives today because of our busyness. The day our kids are born, we're already researching which kindergartens that they'll go to. And when they enter first grade, we're already thinking about, you know, will they have the enough AP credits to, to graduate high school and, and maybe skip a semester in college. We move too fast, and we oftentimes miss the good that God has placed for us to experience along the way in our journey. Well, the disciples didn't get it. We hear it in their own words. Look at verse 6 with me. 
It says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Guys, get over it. That's not what this is all about. Jesus was patient, and I'm glad that he is, because I'm sure that I've had a tendency to, to try his patience just as much as these early disciples did. For three years, he had been teaching them about the kingdom of heaven, showing them how to serve, teaching about loving your enemy, and they're still stuck in their idea of what the kingdom is supposed to be. But if we're honest, aren't we the same? Don't we sometimes get wrapped up in, in what we want God to do, how we want his kingdom to work, what we want church to be like, or what we want church to do for us? And, when, and as a result, we miss what he wants to do, how he wants things to be in our lives. Jesus, we want you to restore the kingdom of David. We want you to overthrow these Romans and, and give the kingdom back so that, so that we, Israel, can be large and in charge. Well, he answers them in verse 7 and 8. He says to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling them, You have a mission to do. And guys, it's not a political one. You will be the instrument that I use to save my people. And it's the same for you and me today, folks. We are the instrument by which those around us will hear about the gospel. Those around us will find the gift that Christ has made freely available. But sometimes we have to wait. The disciples still needed a little more time to focus. They still needed more time to discern what God was wanting them to do. They weren't totally on board with God's plan for his kingdom at this point. And Jesus tells them, you're not quite ready. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then you will get it. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. But for now... Wait, reflect, listen, go to your room, go to the upper room and pray. Don't do anything. Don't work on the brochure. Don't work on the PR campaign. Don't worry about the logo. I don't want you to take off half-cocked in a, in a direction that's not of my choosing, Jesus says. Just wait. And I love this next part, verse 9 and following. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I can see them just now. Peter and the others just standing there, you know, gawking, just looking, just... Just keep looking up, looking up. What are you waiting on, Peter? Well, God had to send two angels down to them and tell them, hey, guys, it's time to get moving. God sent these angels to get them off top dead center, to doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be praying and supposed to be discerning and supposed to be listening to what God wanted them to do, 
waiting on God, waiting on the Spirit. So they returned to Jerusalem to wait. And if we look at verse 14, I think we can see the answer to the question here of now what? It says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Well, during the past two months, I've been meeting with Pastor Ray Johnston of Bayside Church and the Thrive Organization with a group of pastors in a, in, in a weekly video meeting. And we are convinced that, this, that the Holy Spirit is using this pandemic, this, this COVID crisis, to hit reset for the church. God is taking us out of our comfort zone, that we might be prepared to be flexible, to do what He wants us to do, and to go wherever He wants us to go in the ways that He wants us to do it. We've been forced to, to stay out of our buildings. We've been challenged to find new ways using God-given technology to communicate the gospel. And you know what we're finding? Despite the social distancing, despite the physical isolation, we are reaching more people than we've ever reached before. Here at Sky Valley, our Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter messages were viewed by over 3,000 combined views. And we've been averaging 340 per week since Easter. That's way more than our weekly average chapel attendance during this time of year. Don't get me wrong. As I said in yesterday's video, I can't wait until we can meet again for corporate worship. And we will do so as soon as possible and as safe as possible. But we have a challenge in the future. We can't go back to just only doing things the way we always did them before. I encourage you to, to think about how this shelter-in-place experience should inform how you do things when it's over, when it's lifted. Don't take it for granted, but ask God to show you what your new normal should be like. What do you need to be thinking about how to expand the kingdom in view of this? I encourage you to stay tuned and we will keep you posted. Remember, Share Jesus whenever you can, and if necessary, use words. God bless you, and have a great week.